worship just been outstanding? Amen. Y'all are awesome. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read the scripture first. Not going to miss it. All right, I invite you to hear these words out of the Gospel of Matthew in the 14th chapter. When Jesus heard about John, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. When the crowds learned this, they followed him on foot from the cities. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion for them, and he healed those who were sick. That evening, his disciples came and said to him, This is an isolated place, and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, There's no need to send them away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here except five loaves of bread and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. He ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves of bread and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, and broke the loaves apart and gave them to his disciples. Then the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate until they were full, and they filled 12 baskets with the leftovers. About 5,000 men plus women and children had eaten. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh God, continue to be present in our worship as I speak. May we hear your voice. May each of us hear precisely what you have for us. And may we as a community of faith hear your word loud and clear. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I've got a question. This is an interactive question, so I actually want you to raise your hand this time if, if your answer is yes. Okay, who here is a fan of wrestling? <laughs> I knew I'd get the Duchmans, but I wasn't sure about anyone else. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm excited to tell you we're going to do a little wrestling today. So y'all want to come up and demonstrate? I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> We're going to do a little wrestling today, but not this kind of wrestling, sorry. And actually not this kind of wrestling, and in fact not even this kind of wrestling. Today we're going to do this kind of wrestling. I know, that's why I love kids. <laughs> so yeah, I'm guessing that if I had said I was talking about this kind of wrestling, I wouldn't have gotten any hands to get raised. And yet. We all wrestle. It's part of life, right? Especially during hard times, when we're in grief, uh, when bad things happen in the world, whether it's evil or a natural disaster, when we ourselves are experiencing personal struggles, perhaps addiction, mental health struggles, uh, relationship issues, job troubles, things with finances or school or just plain stress. We wrestle. We wrestle with questions, and doubts, we wrestle with identity, and we wrestle with purpose. And that is certainly especially true of those of us who call ourselves Christ followers. And in the midst of all that wrestling, we have a tendency as human beings, and we Christ followers are no exception, to live with an ethos of what I'm going to call never enough. Do you know what I mean? That ethos of never enough always thinking there's never going to be enough, can lead us into some of those struggles that I just listed. And conversely, the stress and overwhelm of the struggles 
can lead us into an anxiety that there's never enough. Never enough time or energy or people to get the job done or goodness or money or love or even that we will ever be enough. Now look, school's about to start. I know that all you teachers and administrators and school staff members getting ready for school, you understand the never enough anxiety, right? Students and parents, you also live with the never enough anxiety. The truth is all of us do. And the pressure of never enough is really harsh on us. Believing and living in the never enough mindset reveals something in us. It reveals a hunger. A hunger that's within us that can never be satisfied because, well, there will never be enough of whatever it is we think will fill or satiate us. So today, we're going to wrestle with our hunger. So we have two scripture stories that we're going to use to do that. One is from the Old Testament, which was not which I did not read a moment ago. And the other one is from the New Testament, which is our scripture for today. And these hopefully will help us wrestle with the hunger. So uh, if you want to follow along, or you want to look at it later, our Old Testament story comes out of the 32nd chapter of Genesis, uh, starting in verse 22. And it's the story of Jacob wrestling with God. Now, you, if you've been here throughout the summer, you've heard us talking about Jacob. I'll give you a little background because I know we have some folks here who are new and haven't been here. So Jacob is the, the, one of two sons, the second son of Isaac, who is the son of Sarah and Abraham, you know, the great patriarch of the faith and of the Jewish people. And so uh, Jacob is, well, so when Jacob and his brother were born, they're twins, Esau, his brother, is the oldest of the two twins. And the story is told in scripture that as they are being born and Esau is coming out of his mother, Jacob is grabbing onto his heel and pulling him back in because Jacob wants to be first. In fact, Jacob's name means heel grabber. And so Jacob was the quintessential never enough guy. His position as second son was never enough. He, uh, the blessings that he shared within the family were never enough, and so he spent all his life trying to steal and manipulate and trick blessings out of his father, in fact, stealing them from his older brother, who was rightly entitled to them. At the point we come to the scripture in chapter 32, uh, Jacob has run away from home because his older brother wanted to kill him, and um, he has acquired a great amount of wealth. He has also acquired two wives, and the reason he needed the second one is because the first one was not enough. So for Jacob, it was never enough. And now the story that is in chapter 32 is that, um, that Jacob is on his way back now, and he has sent ahead of him, he's going to meet his brother Esau. Kind of dangerous, right? And so he sent ahead of him a whole bunch of gifts kind of trying to hopefully grease the wheel so his brother will forgive him and he'll survive. So he sent ahead a lot of gift and an entourage and, um, and things for Esau to, to hopefully make that thing go smoothly. And as he's traveling, he has this experience in the night, uh, one night when he's resting, uh, where he gets into a wrestling match with none other than God. And in this wrestling with God, 
uh, Jacob, the story tells that um, Jacob wrestles with, at first they just calls him a man, and then he wrestles, uh, we learn later that he's wrestling with God. But I want you to hear part of the story that comes from that. So uh, when the man saw that he couldn't defeat Jacob, he grabbed Jacob's thigh and tore a muscle in Jacob's thigh as he wrestled with him. So the man is God. The man said, let me go because dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. Sounds just like Jacob, right? Grabbing that heel. He said to Jacob, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name won't be Jacob any longer, but Israel because you struggled or wrestled with God and with men and won. So now Jacob has wrestled with God. And now that he has wrestled with God, God has blessed him. But so after the wrestling match, God changes Jacob's name to Israel. Israel, which actually means one who strives or struggles with God. And, and God says, it's because you've wrestled with God and man and prevailed. The message says, I like how the message said, it didn't say he won or that he prevailed. It says he made it through. That's really the connotation here. He doesn't prevail over God. He prevails with God over his um, need of whatever was never enough. And so hence Israel walks away with a limp, a reminder that it is not by his own strength or not by having or being enough in his or the world's view that he prevails, but by wrestling with God, by letting God provide his sufficiency, his purpose, his identity, his blessing. And God's blessing was not a trophy that Jacob won for wrestling. And for the first time in Jacob's life, this blessing was not something he tricked his way into. Jacob receives God's blessing because he hung in there wrestling with God throughout the entire dark night. Now, all of us have dark nights of the soul. And if we are willing to hang in there and wrestle through it with God, a blessing will come. Uh, Pastor Jeremy Berg, in his article, Wrestling with God, Acquiring a Limp, says this, the telltale sign that someone has brushed up against God's awesome presence is often this. They walk with a spiritual limp. They have scars from all-night shouting matches with God. They have arm-wrestled with God in the silence of God's apparent absence. They have grabbed onto God and refused to let go, even when God's presence sometimes seemed to bring more pain than comfort. They know that contrary to popular belief, Jesus was right on when he said, blessed are those who mourn. These are the ones who will be comforted. And now Jacob is called Israel. He goes on to actually reconcile with his brother Esau. They give each other forgiveness and grace, and he becomes the leader of the Israelite people, a father of nations. It's interesting, isn't it, that the only blessing that was ever enough for Jacob was God's blessing. By the way, it's the same for us. We try, just like Jacob did, to concoct schemes and to manipulate and to control and to work and to figure out a way to bless ourselves, to manipulate blessings from this world that will never, ever satisfy our hunger. Only God's blessing and only what God blesses will satisfy our hunger and ease that anxiety of never enough. 
I think in our efforts to calm this anxiety, we hunger for something else than God's enough, right? We hunger for a perpetual state of happiness and peace, for things to go well all the time, even though we know that's not reality. That is not the reality. Scripture promises it's just not reality. It's sort of like that ice cream we know we're not supposed to eat, right? We want it, but we know we can't have it. And so like Jacob and the disciples in today's gospel account, we concoct schemes and we make plans, and our solution to never enough is abundance, right? If we can have an abundance, then we'll never have to feel that anxiety of not enough. But as we see today in this gospel account, God doesn't provide an abundance plan. God provides enough. Having just enough for today will force us to rely on God's provision rather than the abundance that we try to create for ourselves by working more hours or making more money or stocking up on food in preparation for the time when somebody has told us that God is going to come and take away our abundance and leave us with not enough. Sometimes we even come to church that way, right? We come in here, we think, okay, I'm here for an hour, a little over an hour. I'm going to get my abundance, and that's going to last me. I'm good. But we quickly find that our one-hour fix is not enough. So what if instead we relied on God daily to give us enough for each day? Now, some of you probably do that each day. Maybe you listen to a podcast, or you do a devotional, you have prayers or candles that you light. I want to um, share with you a, a certain kind of prayer. It's easy, it's quick, and we can all do it. And I especially encourage everyone starting school tomorrow to start your day with this one. So we're all going to do it. Just close your eyes for a moment, and we're going to take a deep breath in. This is called a breath prayer. And as you breathe in, you're going to say to yourself, to God actually, fill me. And then as you breathe out a deep breath, cleanse me. We're going to do it three times. Ready? Here we go. that really took hardly any time at all. All of us have enough time to do that. And it will ease that anxiety of never enough. You know, Jesus understood our hunger. In fact, according to Jesus, this hunger that we have is not a curse. It's actually a blessing, right? In Matthew, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said these words, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be fed until they are full. Sounds like those people sitting out in that crowd, right? Everyone was fed until they were full. In the Common English Bible, the, the word that we know as blessed is translated happy. And in actuality, the correct or best translation for that word would be blissful. Somehow, according to Jesus, our hunger for God is a source of bliss. Not what we usually think of when we think of that kind of hunger. So maybe what that means is that we can resist judging our hunger 
and instead focus on where and to whom we turn to satisfy that hunger. Just as our physical hunger leads us to eat what our body needs to survive and thrive, well, sometimes, sometimes we eat what we don't need, right? But so too can our spiritual and emotional hunger lead us to seek what we need from God. So what if that hunger is just part of the faith journey? Part of the path we have to walk. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger, for they shall be fed until they are full. So I want you to notice something in the gospel account. The disciples go to Jesus, right? And they tell him to send the people away so they can be fed. Now, I've always looked at that and thought, oh, they're so concerned about all those people and how hungry they must be, and that's why they tell Jesus that. But for some reason, as I was preparing for this and praying over this scripture and thinking about never enough anxiety, I thought, no, I think they're thinking there's not enough, God. There's not enough, Jesus. Not enough for us to be filled. So send them away. Otherwise, we're going to go hungry. Jesus sees it, he hears it, and so he tells them, there's plenty. You give them something to eat. Jesus is aware of the facts of the situation. He knows that they only have five loaves of bread and two fish, but he sees beyond their scarcity and ours, and he sees the abundance that's only possible through him. So he tells them in a way that probably ratcheted up their anxiety, you give them something to eat. And then they do what we all do when Jesus tells us, what I give you is enough. We say, oh, no, 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 there's not enough. I can't do it. It's not going to work. And then Jesus says, bring it to me. Fill me. Cleanse me. Bring it to me. And then Jesus blesses it. Breaks it and gives it to the disciples, and they give it to the people, thus fulfilling what he told them they could do. You give them something to eat. What they have is enough, even if they can't see it. And says the scripture, everyone ate until they were full. When we have received what God has blessed, and when we give it to others in blessing, we, too, will be filled. Our hunger, too, will be satisfied. God doesn't give us an abundance plan. He gives us enough for today. And tomorrow, God will give us enough for tomorrow. So what we must remember is that Jesus is enough. He gives us enough each day in each situation to share what he's given us with those around us, those who are hungry, And he feeds us so we can feed others. If God has blessed it, it's enough. So as we go into communion, remembering that, uh, and it'll, this will be in the liturgy, but remembering that, that uh, as Jesus gathered around the table with his disciples, it was right before he was going to give up his life. And he had already told them, I'm leaving don't let your hearts be troubled, but you know they were. And, and he had already told them, where I'm going, you can't come, right? But you know the way, and you'll get there eventually. 
But they were anxious. You know they were. Their whole life was going to change. Who were they going to follow? Who was going to explain things to them? And do you think when, when they gathered around that table and he took that bread and he broke it and he blessed it, do you think they remembered that time sitting with that crowd of people? Do you think they remembered how anxious they were that day and how God said to them, what you have is enough. There's no need to be anxious. You can do this. I wonder if they did. I wonder if we will. Mm-hmm.